What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You turn to Disney for 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 reassurance and comfort and and some feeling that you know, yes, it's all going to work out. Uh, you know, okay. You know, even if you end up at at uh, Pleasure Island and your friends are being turned into donkeys, things are going to work out okay. <laughs> even if the witch poisons you with an apple, it's still going to work out okay. Another world. Another time in the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith. Trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Think up your happiest thought. And fly away to Neverland. And we're not flying alone because, of course, I'm, I am, of course, your head Lost Boy, the Spider Pan Jeremy. And we have Lost Boy Philip with us this time. Hello. Lost Boy Eric will join us later when we have a nice conversation with Disney walking encyclopedia and historian Jim Corcus. And I want to make sure you know how to spell his name. K-O-R-K-I-S. I want you to get on Amazon and I want you to look up Jim Corcus. He's got lots of books. They're all good. Go buy you one. Believe me, I will put some links in the show notes. Also, if you go to Theme Park Press, you can find some more of his books. More links to his books. He's even got a new one coming out. Uh, I believe he mentioned it a little bit in this conversation we have with him later. We're going to be hearing from him, from him for the next couple of weeks. We sat and we talked with him, and he had so much to share that we ran long, and I'm like, this is all good. I'm going to share as much as we possibly can of this, so I'm going to share it over the next couple of weeks. A great conversation. You're going to learn stuff that you probably don't know because that's what Jim Corcus does. He he will find out all the stuff and he'll tell you stuff that you don't know. And uh, it was a he was great fun. Uh, so you already heard a little bit of there at the opening of the show. He had some great things to say even before we started the actual show. You're gonna love it, Jim Corcus, and also MousePlanet.com. He blogs there regularly every week. I think he said it was on Wednesdays. But go and check out Mouse Planet and go and look at what he writes there. He's just. He's just so much knowledge. He's so much fun. You're going to enjoy it. But until then, Lost Boy Philip and I are here. Hello. Hello. How are you? And we have some stuff to cover in Disney News.
spanning the Disney and Geek universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Okay, so, and I've pulled this up on my phone. Where I, as you notice, the sound quality is different because I'm, we're sitting over Phil's house. Uh, and, I, of course, the other recordings, of course, I did over our Skype thing. And i got to pull everything back up. I, I don't feel I'm as organized as I normally am, folks, but uh, i got everything here. Uh, the big ones, of course, that we want to talk about is we learned something about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Okay, so you know about Rise of the Resistance, right, Phil? Oh, tell me all about it. Rise of the Resistance is... This is where we were looking, we were looking at the ride vehicles before. Remember, oh, yes, they're, they're trackless. Yeah. Uh, this is... You're going to get to have an experience of uh, escaping from the First Order. But we have found out... It's going to be 28 minutes long. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Now, normally with a long ride, people say, oh, it's a great way to take a little break and relax and take a little nap for 28 minutes or something, like uh, somebody's certain <laughs> energy adventure. Um, but uh, holy cow, I think you're going to be in for it. But it says the ride has 18 ride show areas and a lot of special effects. Wow. So there is a lot of new information. And um, this was all from a blog spot here article that, that we shared this week. Uh, oh, something else. Very, very cool. Uh, you, how long have you been married now? Oh, let's see, ten years. Ten years. So that's about a good time. It's about time to renew your vows, maybe. Oh, maybe so. Well, I tell you what, there is a thing on Omay's about you could win the ultimate Disney fairy tale wedding and or vow renewal, which I'm thinking I can renew my vows. I've been married. Yeah. Uh, whew, Sixteen years? How's he? Oh, it'll be sixteen years ago this June. Yeah, this May. May. This May. Me. Yeah, it was almost. I'm oh, coming up on sixteen <laughs> years. Wow. Uh, but. If for a donation going to Give Kids the World through Omaze, you could win a fairy tale wedding at Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, and they're going to let you set this up around Beast's Castle. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. After hours, of course, in front of, of Beast's Castle. Exclusive reception inside the BR Guest Restaurant. Cool. Uh, you get the Magic Kingdom Park then all to yourself after the park is closed. Oh, that's great. World-class food and beverage, unique entertainment, sunrise photos in front of Cinderella Castle. Oh. So sleep all day so you're going to be up all night. Oh, yeah. And, of course, a wedding that you and your guests will never forget to renew your vows or to get married uh, the first part, uh, in the first place, but Give Kids the World Village is an 84-acre nonprofit storybook resort that's near Central Florida's most beloved attractions. Critically ill children and their families oh, are treated wow. to week-long, cost-free vacations, complete with accommodations and, of course, villas, transportation, attraction tickets, meals, everything. This has been going on since 1986. I've had a link on NeverlandPodcast.com where you could donate to them, but if you donate through the uh, Omaze here, and for like ten dollars, you can get a hundred entries. Twenty-five dollars, two hundred fifty entries. So you can you can buy some entries or however much you want and try to win this. I know I'm gonna do it. Awesome. I know uh, Heather's been saying we ain't got the money, but hey, it's time to renew our vows. We've been married a long time. She may have forgotten her vows. <laughs> Remember, she had issues with obey. <laughs> There's a whole story in there. A, a joking story. Yes, yes, yes. We had some fun with her on that one. I was the uh, I was actually the minister. That was the first wedding that I uh, that I did there. Yeah, we launched on a whole mission yeah. of well, mission. I don't know if it's the right word. 
Yeah, an adventure. So now there's, I, I found this article on CNBC that mentioned that, and it's the, here's the headline: It says Disney is already losing over a billion dollars in, in streaming, and its Netflix competitor has yet to launch. Um, so basically, they're saying that, that their stake in Hulu and its ownership of BamTech led to a loss of more than a billion dollars in the latest fiscal year. Uh, Hulu apparently not doing well. Direct to consumer losses should continue to surge as Disney ramps up Disney Plus, its new streaming service. I have a feeling Hulu will eventually will be shut down and it'll be all moved whatever they keep to Disney Plus so I mean they're saying they're saying there's gonna be a basically a loss because of the Hulu investment uh, and but and also with BAM tech and a lot of the things that they've acquired through this Fox acquisition uh, so I mean there seems to be like a loss but once Disney Plus launches here late in 2019 uh, I have a feeling that's gonna go in there because I mean Netflix is spending money right now making original programming Disney has a bunch of programming already made yeah I mean, if they launch all the classic movies, classic Mickey Mouse cartoons, Disney afternoon stuff. Not, not to mention their Marvel, yeah, their Star Wars, yeah, all, all these things. Not also, as far as Hulu goes, their uh, WWE stuff, uh, which will be probably leaving within the next year or so because yeah. their their little contract is coming close to an end, and WWE can put their stuff right over on their programming. Yeah. So I personally, as even though we we get Hulu myself. Um, yeah, I think through Sprint, I think I get yeah, a free account. Yeah, I would might, you know, end it and go with Disney and with the WWE and with the Netflix and with a couple others. I wouldn't mind trying out the Disney, I must say. Yeah, and I find I really don't watch much Netflix. Hardly anymore. I personally do. Stranger Things 3, I'm looking forward to. The only reason why I really watch Hulu is to watch some of the Disney stuff, to watch the wrestling, to watch certain things. And I would have no reason to continue to watch. Yeah, so I do not mind closing down my Netflix account to get Disney+. Plus. Yeah, well, there you go. I will spend my entire time just watching Mickey Mouse cartoons or something. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I will watch some Donald Lug and I will have a good old time. So not a big deal. Um, but, okay, so we've heard the Jurassic Park water attraction over there. I forgot what they called it. Uh, over at Universal was going to get an update. Oh, good. good. Uh, because good you know, they're, they're going to make it like a Jurassic World type of thing. Uh, but we found out something that over where they've had a raptor encounter section. Oh, yeah. Where they've been, but over in that area, the raptor encounter is going to get relocated. Because in that area, uh, they've got actually a track layout that has been confirmed that they're going to have a Jurassic Park roller coaster. Oh, so that now I don't know if that's exactly what this the new Jurassic World would you know maybe that's going to take part of the area of the old ride because uh, that's I, I heard that that was going to be changed so but apparently we've got a Jurassic Park roller coaster on the way in that area over in Universal. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, I mean there's a lot of different things going I'll say on this, over there. I love the Jurassic Park ride. I've been on it a couple times, and there's something about it. I don't know. You, you partially you got to understand I'm a Jurassic Park nut, and uh, I love being on it. The greatest part was being on there with uh, young people who didn't expect it to be that <laughs> awesome. That was awesome. I wish you could have seen the picture they took, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, especially the T-Rex. Even though, if you got a good look at the T-Rex, I've seen video. The T-Rex that swings out has its legs even just swinging underneath. Oh, it, it's just awesome. <laughs> it's though. pretty funny. Uh, so, let's see. Um, I think the only other things... Oh, well, I want to show you this picture here. Funko 
released oh. a picture of some new Winnie the Pooh mini vinyl figures. How cute. And they even have a Heffalump and Woozle. Yeah, how cute. I Which love I it. think that's from that Heffalump that movie. Is, that is from the Heffalump. I don't know much about that. Although the she's kind of dressed as a ballet dancer, which kind of reminds me of that little song of the Heffalump yes. and Woozles. Yes. But they have everybody, including Christopher Robin, and two different Poohs because they have a Pooh in his nightgown or nightshirt yeah. or whatever, his pajamas, uh, as well as one with a jar of honey. Uh, it says they're coming soon. I'm not sure exactly when they're coming out, but keep an eye out for that. Very cute. That's going to be uh, very cool. Uh, a little bit of sad news, though. Uh, the Toy Story director and Coco director, Lee Unkrich, is actually leaving Pixar's after 25 years. Aww. Now, uh, I haven't looked into this. So I think he's probably just stepping down, retiring. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been at it for 25 years. He might be he might be looking to do something different, but he may just be stepping down and retire. I didn't really examine that one too much. Uh, but we, I did also find out, speaking of people leaving, Paul King, who uh, he did those Paddington movies, which I still haven't gotten to see. I'd like to see. I've seen the first one. It's pretty cute. Yeah, and I, I remember the old cartoon uh, oh, yeah. with the, the stop motion. I played Paddington. Bear in a play at kids' oh my gosh. At, at school. <laughs> but uh, he was going to direct the live-action Pinocchio film, but he has stepped away from that. I was really looking forward to that because I've seen so many Pinocchio movies when I was a kid, and they've done some pretty good jobs, but I've always wanted to see a Disney version. Yeah. I, so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. Did you see the old Pinocchio? That It was it was like HBO when they had their fairy tale figure and they had the Paul Rubens as yeah, Pinocchio. Yeah, I did. I did see it, yeah. That was fun. Pee-wee Herman Pinocchio. Uh, oh, speaking also of fun, co- fun co, uh, there's a of the Jedi Pop vinyls. They have some Ewoks coming. Oh, that's return cute. of the Jedi, complete return of the Jedi setting. I have to get one. Yes, that's adorable. Yeah, it very much looks fun. Oh, also there are some uh, some early looks out there on WDWNT of the Mickey's Mix Magic. Which is a, a new show going on over at Disneyland. I don't know a lot of details about this. Uh, I should probably pop into the article. Uh, I, I, I didn't get all my research done this week. It's been kind of a crazy week for me. But this is a new t- nighttime fireworks and projection show, uh, which actually launched January 18th. It's got new music, projections, and lasers, and it's basically a big dance party. Uh, and there's some photos here, and they look, I mean, wow, check this out, this Haunted Mansion thing. Oh, wow, that's cool. That is really sweet-looking projections, great fireworks. Uh, so this is a new show that just premiered, and uh, there is some video, of course, if you go uh, on YouTube. They have a link here at WDW News Today or WDWNT.com. You can come and check that out. That, I mean, that looks really, really cool. So new show at Disneyland. Um, also, oh, this was kind of a, a, a hit there. We found out EA was working on a full um, open world Star Wars game. They have canceled canceled that. And uh, basically, Forbes magazine said the EA is actually squandering the Star Wars license. They don't think they're doing a very good job of it. And a lot of fans would back them up because those microtransactions with Battlefront... Because uh, I, I now I have Battlefront too, but I'm not, I'm not doing these microtransactions. I'm not playing yeah. around with that. Yeah. Uh, but the way they've been handling it's not been well. There's been a few mobile games that have been all right, but mobile games you expect those microtransactions. But even when Forbes is saying that you hey you guys suck at this, yeah. Uh, as far as business, um, yeah, I think you're you're down I and out they, for that. The problem has been the way they've handled it, of course. But the fact is, is you have Star Wars. Something you can easily do and yeah. make into a great game. I love the original Battlefronts, and I have bought the old these. Classics was great. I have been waiting and waiting, waiting for new ones. They finally have made them, and they've not done very well, in my opinion. But it graphically, can be. it looks great. Oh, I mean, yeah. gameplay is pretty fun in general. One of the things I hated about it, and I love the Battlefronts, and I think you could do a lot with them. But I didn't like the fact that 
you will have this huge scenery, this huge uh, uh, playground, and then you'll try to fight somebody, but you you step outside of where you started, yeah. and you're suddenly in this white area of dying. I'm thinking, come on, for stepping is, outside of a zone. Yeah, yeah, this is Star Wars. If you they would be able put to do some anything. sort of natural wall type of thing, you know, like on Hoth, and you can have mountains. Yeah, Mos Eisley just have walls there. There's so much know? that can be done with Star Wars. If you can't do that right, you got a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that really bothered me with Battlefront too. That you you'd want to explore uh, the Rebel base on on um, um, Hoth or whatever. Not the not the Hoth one. Uh, um, wow, my brain just went out. Because I remember we we, were, we played that the first time yeah. I was playing it. We played it on Yavin. Yavin, yeah. On the moon there, Yavin. We went and you'd want to go inside the base, and it was fully open as far as you could see. But as soon as you cross a certain boundary line, hey, you're gonna die in ten seconds yeah, if you, you don't get, get back in the battle. And sometimes you can't go back because you fell down somewhere. Yeah, you might slide down a hill. You're stuck. You're yeah, dead. you're going to die. And that's that's been a big problem. Yeah. And there's ways they could have put up natural boundaries that would have kept you from wandering somewhere they didn't Beyond want that, you to go. Beyond that, it's a good game. But, but it would be, it'd be more so exciting much. to be able to run around inside the base. Yeah, it's limited. And heck, even the inside the Java's Palace is such a maze that I... I that's... Yeah, it's that's, limited. That's kind of yeah. hard. I mean, it'd be fun with a group of people, I suppose. Uh, but some bit of good news. Animal Kingdom has a new Maasai giraffe calf. Oh, I love giraffe. It was born this past week. Uh, there's a picture up here on our Facebook page, which, by the way, did you know the Neverland pod- Podcast has a Facebook page, a Facebook group, and a Twitter page. I at Neverland PCAST. You can find all these links at NeverlandPodcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Patreon page, because I do depend upon your support. I have two different levels of support, just a dollar a month, and you won't have to hear those ads at the beginning of the show. You'll get your own RSS feed. $5 level, you will get exclusives. In fact, I'll work on an exclusive. You'll get to hear the entire Jim Corcus interview in one go on the $5 level. But for the rest of us, you know, I'm cutting it up and a little half hour bits and including the bits uh, you're going to hear another bit when we go to the trailer park. Oh, happy birthday, Popeye. 90 years, by the way. (laughs) Oh, here in the land of weird, People.com from People Magazine. uh, And here was the headline. It said Disneyland is opening its first ever family-friendly brewery. They said it sounds magical. I think it sounds weird. You have a bar and you're bringing kids in. (laughs) Now, granted, this could be like, you know, because you go to Applebee's or Chili's, there's a bar in the middle of it, but it's, it's yeah. primarily a restaurant. And uh, this, and they do talk about it, you know, it's, it's opening on January 16th, the Blast Point Brewing Company. So it's open and now. It, yeah, it's open now. Uh, but it's it's not, I mean, it's going to function. It's going to have restaurant stuff. You can go and order food. 4,000 square feet glass enclosed bar restaurant and an additional 3,000 square feet outdoor beer garden with cabana style seating and, and, and tap room seats for up to 220 people now and it's supposed to be a family friendly brew pub which is going to offer 50 styles of blast points beer across 100 tap lines hmm. this is a bar <laughs> and they're saying family friendly bring your kids to the bar I'm sorry I love Disney but what the heck <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, this would be a good thing to open up, but don't market it as family-friendly. Bring your kids to the bar. (laughs) I mean, it's one thing if you market it as a restaurant with a lot of different alcohol available, if you market it as a restaurant, but when you're calling it a brewery and your marketing is with your bar taps? (laughs) No, that's not, you don't bring your kids to a bar. (laughs) What the hell kind of alcoholic do you think you are? (laughs) Pardon my, my, my French, but what in the world? I, that, I'm, that just bothers the heck out of me. 
Uh, so, and it says, okay, executive sous chef Joey Lerma says the food will be a mix of Southern California staples, including popular dishes such as Baja-style fish tacos and a house-made pretzel with beer mustard, in addition to gluten-free and vegetarian options and beer for the kids. How about that? Uh, oh, they didn't say that, did it? No, I no. added that in myself. <laughs> Open seven days a week starting from, from 10 a.m. to midnight because, oh, yeah, family-friendly at midnight. Um... <laughs> And I think I just found an article that may be confirming, yes, People Magazine actually says, Mickey Mouse ice cream bars have arrived in stores to bring Disney World magic to your home. I haven't seen any yet, but, I'm, but it's supposed to be coming in February. Awesome. In February, you can get a Mickey bar I love at the them. grocery store. I love it. I've never had one. Well, I... Now, and these are family friendly, because there's no beer in these. <laughs> Calm down, my friend. Sorry, I can't help it. It's Calm stupid. Down. I, I agree, but... The original Mickey Mouse bar was different than these. These are the ones, and they're great too. These are the ones that are dipped, kind of like what you get at the uh, Sonic or the, yeah. the the Dairy Queen. Could think of the name, I don't know why. But these <laughs> are great. They're dipped in chocolate and they're wonderful. I can't complain. It's a, basically, it's an ice cream bar. It is. But, but it's shaped like Mickey. Like, I mean, ha ha! Exactly! How can you complain? We gotta bite the ears off yeah. of oh, that. That's what you always gotta do. The bite ears the ears off. Gotta be first, folks. That's right. But the fact of the matter is, is the original ones were different. They were like the regular ice cream, uh, little you know, ice creams that you get. But there was chocolate on the uh, on the certain parts that were supposed to be, you know, like Mickey Mouse's ears and all that. And uh, it almost looked like a Mickey Mouse hat. That's the way it was shaped. And then you also in the middle there, you'd have these little eyes and the mouth. Oh, and the, yeah. Kind of like what you get from the ice cream man. Yeah. That's how it looked. But it was really good. You can look up I the I think old, you might still be able to get those. Maybe. But that's how it Maybe be, from the ice cream man. I don't that's know how it used to look. I'll have to look at the old pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got old pictures of me eating them from back in 1982. <laughs> yeah. Jumping into, I mean, it's supposed to be the rumor mill, but it seems like we've got some confirmation that this is uh, being looked at. What is that? Uh, let me see if I can, let me, I'll read this a little bit more. This is a supervising producer at DCPI Content Media. Uh, and this, it says, supervising producer on all animation development and production within the division, currently supervising the reboot of Muppet Babies. This was back from 2017. Uh, with Disney Junior supervising production on Legend of the Three Caballeros, a streaming animated series for Disney Digital Network, awesome. which we know is already playing internationally, just not here in the States yet. Really? But when Disney Plus launches, I'll bet we'll all get to see it. Good, 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 good. Uh, that's what we're expecting. And But here's the thing. And developing an Oswald the Lucky Rabbit show. Yay. Previous development project. Projects include a 2D, 3D hybrid test for a car spin-off series, creating a linear and VR content for the Violimation stunt team, producing animation for VR Battle Soars experience, producing three 22-minute stop-motion specials for Disney's Club Penguin. So this was like something that, that had been posted out there. And so people are looking at this and say, hey, wait a minute. Did you say you were making Oswald the Lucky Rabbit as a cartoon? We would think this might be something for Disney+. Plus. We might get an Oswald series plus a Cars spin-off series. That'd be good. That'd be pretty cool. I, I have I've honestly have thought for a long time. Not only Oswald. Now that Disney's had Oswald for how long is, have they had Oswald? Like near, not a decade, is it? Oh, I want to say somewhere well, within, within the last fifteen years. Yeah, because least, I thought it was around two thousand nine, around the same time as Marvel. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's when they made that deal with Universal. Yeah, um, I thought they traded like Al Michael. Yeah, they traded. Al Michaels for it. Yeah, well, that's an interesting thought. But anyway, I thought that it was around that time because I know that they started getting the the uh, in the games and all that. They had Oswald. I thought wouldn't it be interesting and great if they made a cartoon. I wanted to see for a long time cartoons that had Mickey in it, Oswald, all those characters. 
like a series. They should. So kids get to know them. They do yeah. have some cartoons of Mickey for like, you know, internet. Heck, Disney but. Plus wants to get those Oswald, old Oswald cartoons up there. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be so cool. I would love to see it. Because now they probably got all the Universal. Well, I guess the, the ones Universal made without Walt are not that great from what I've heard. I've seen but them. get some of the old ones that Walt did. Yeah. Because even with, on Epic Mickey, you could unlock some old Oswald cartoons and they're great. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <gasps> I would love to see I'd love to see it though. See, make a cartoon of, of you can even call it, you know, the old uh, Mickey World or Mickey's Neighborhood, or whatever, have all those characters in the little neighborhood. It, oh yes, that'd be that'd be a fun thing. Have them all live together in Duckburg with yeah, Scrooge McDuck and the nephews We've and that kind of stuff. Yes, Launch and have Saint Canard is somewhere, you know, Launchpad could own the plane. You know, that'd be a fun little. Saint Canard could be, you know, however many miles they away. Could 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 idea, double they duty. could borrow my old idea where the bad guys could live in Evil. <laughs> <laughs> that so much that could be fun. That'd be a blast. Something else that could be fun. Uh, this book is not out yet, but all right, uh, Mike Quinn has been on the show. If you go and you search on NeverlandPodcast.com, you can find where he came on. Mike Quinn was Nine Noon. You know, anytime you see him in this Nine Noon in a Star Wars movie, it's him. Really? He's, he played it as a puppet in Return of the Jedi. Oh. And now he's actually in full body costume flying X-Wings and these newer ones. Awesome. Uh, also, we found out that he was part of the Dark Crystal. Really? Uh, he was the slave master, Skeksis. Huh. Uh, he's also worked directly with Jim Henson. He was, uh, I think he's mentioned being one of the Kermit's arms at certain points <laughs> when he was a young man. <laughs> I mean, Mike Quinn has done a lot of stuff, and he's he's got a book called Talk to the Hand he's trying to get out. <laughs> and he's, he he loves to teach puppetry. That's great. And but he needs to the get some. He need, yeah, he needs some uh, funding to help go in. So he's got a Kickstarter started. So get on. Uh, if you go even to our Facebook page, I put a link up there. But if you go to Kickstarter and you look for Mike Quinn, talk to the hand. Help him fund this book. Yes. Uh, I haven't looked at all of his options on there, but go and help him fund this book because it's going to be a good book, and I'm sure you can get a copy of the book if you fund it. Uh, another thing, very very interesting, uh, I found out about that D- Disney actually has launched some Beauty and the Beast dishware. Oh, cool! Uh, you can find out more on the Facebook page. I have a link there. Uh, where the only photo I found was this uh, a glass where it says "Be Our Guest" and it's in this etching. Very pretty. Very very nice. I mean, I'm sure this is going to be expensive. It'll be nice stuff. Uh, also found out about a mural in Fort Collins, Colorado, paying tribute to Harper Goff. Now Harper Goff. The, the look. Now, granted, we know Main Street USA. The idea of it kind of came from Walt's memories of Marceline. Mm-hmm. But the actual look of it came from Harper Goff and his home in Fort Collins, Colorado. And so when Walt approached him with the idea, I want you to design Main Street and told him about it. Well, he, of course, drew from his memories of his home in Fort Collins, Colorado. So the look of it in Disneyland is from Fort Collins. But there's a mural in Fort Collins of Harper Goff, which is very, very cool. Now, I actually, yeah, as a side note... Uh, I found a, a job opening through Town Square Media, which they have some radio stations here in Missouri. But I found a job opening for a morning show host in Fort Collins. Yeah. I applied. Well, good. I hope you get it. That'd be <laughs> great. I'd have to move to Fort Collins, Colorado, but, you know. Uh, and one more. I think, this is the la- I think this is the last thing I want to get into. Well, I did find uh, there's some video up on our Facebook page about what Disney Infinity 4.0 Kingdoms would have looked like had it happened. There was some ideas of having an Aladdin level where Aladdin and Yoda are kind of teamed up. And you're playing it as a different character, awesome. following them on submissions. There awesome. were some great ideas, but not going to happen because no more Disney Infinity. But something else, uh, and I'm hoping, because there's a stage musical of the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, it was Disney great. Version. I've seen it, yeah. 
The one in this hasn't been released in the United States. I'm not talking oh. about it in the parks. This oh, was oh, a oh. full-on musical. Oh, I see. Broadway style, but they never played it in the states. Really? It was only in Europe because the movie was more popular over there. They've never brought it over here. Huh. So I'm hoping they grab some of the songs so we so we get to hear them. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Because they are now they have announced that they're going to do a live action. Well, they're calling it reboot, but a live action version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. And I know a bunch of people are like, oh gosh, I'm so tired. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm sorry. People are still going to these. Yeah. Say what you will about getting tired of them. We're still spending our money, and it still seems to be profitable enough to where they keep making these. That's why they don't burn them out. That's yeah. Like, I, you know. And personally, yeah, I'm kind of like, boy, I wish they weren't remaking because I love the original films. I'm still enjoying them for yeah. the most part. And I, I go, of course, mainly to review them. Yeah. But I kind of start to get excited when I see the footage. I will so. say, I hope they start coming up with some good originals of, of the live action. Yeah, I would like to see some more original stuff, which they, they, they're not doing so great with some of the originals. You know, that. Yeah. Nutcracker film was kind of so-so, apparently. I didn't yeah. see it because I heard it wasn't yes. great. Uh, they, they tried to do another movie, A Wrinkle in Time, which... It was okay. Yeah, it, was, it didn't go. It but there, some of their original. I, well, I guess it's not original. If they're pulling from other novels and stuff. But some of the stuff not remaking their stuff is not doing as well. Yeah. And I think the Mary Poppins Returns showed that Disney is doing a pretty good job tapping into what they know and bringing that back. Yeah. It did have a little bit of that classic Mary Poppins style Disney magic in that movie. So I maybe tapping into the old stuff. Disney is learning how to recreate the and the magic of the classics a little yeah. bit. So this could be a good thing. Maybe this is Disney being able to get going again with some of the classic magic that we miss from some new things. So you know, I'm I'm still enjoying them. I know, yeah, we'd like them to, to leave things alone or whatever, whatever. And there's people who are just like, I'm just not going to see you it. You know why? Because out there waiting oh in the sun. But you know, <laughs> there's people who are just they're just never going to go out to see it. But enough people will go out to see it that these are still profitable. Well, the so story Disney will of Hunchback of Notre Dame has a, a really an awful lot of message too. Yeah, and it's a very dark book. From it what is, I heard. but but if you and it's from, a dark movie. But if you really? go from the original, uh, uh, if I say original, I'm talking about the original Disney cartoon of 1996. Yeah, that was, in my opinion, the best way to tell it to a family. Yeah, because it takes the the the, the point of the story, a good point, and yet it, it it lightens it up. I remember some people were at the time when they brought it out were like, no, no, they should never change. Listen, sometimes you got to change things. Yeah. I mean, l let's be honest. The original storytelling of Snow White wasn't so great. The original storytelling uh, of, of Little Mermaid, she doesn't get the boy. You know, there's some. There's well, there, but there is a lesson that was being taught. They're not. If you get into the Hans Christian Andersen, yeah, was, I know. He was but, teaching. But the point so is, is that, people that, try to focus on the sad ending, but that's actually she becomes my, better and better than a human. My point is, so. is that my point is, in all this, is that you can still teach the lessons yeah. and have the fun in it too. So sometimes I you don't have to have everybody was, die. Yeah, it, but when they were written back then, you kind of did. I mean, yeah. it's just like the way uh, uh, Hamlet was made, the way that... Uh, <laughs> Disney doing Hamlet. Somehow, now that they have Hamlet live in the end. I mean, <laughs> they did. They would. They did. Disney did a Hamlet? Yeah, it's called oh, Lion, Lion King. King right? And it's coming out this year, too. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. But, but if they actually like, made a Hamlet. You know, yeah. Disney could make Romeo and Juliet and find a way for them to live at the end, too. Yeah. You know, Romeo you know, and Juliet. Was it kind of okay. <laughs> yeah, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah, they did. Okay. Uh, there you go. There we go. See? See? 
proven me right. That's what Disney does. That's right. One more thing I almost forgot I wanted to get into, and this is that it's almost a white elephant in the room. There was a fan film, a Darth Vader fan film called Vader. I heard uh, about it. It was like an episode, first episode, completely funded by a guy. His YouTube channel is Star Wars Theory. I usually don't pay attention to his channel because I'm not in it too much. You know, some, some theory is fun, but sometimes I think the theories, they go way off the deep end, and so I'm not that inter- interested. But he funded it himself, a fan film, because he, he contacted Lucasfilm and asked what the rules were for a fan film. And basically, you cannot crowdfund, and of course, you can't monetize it when you put on YouTube because you can't have any money. But Lucasfilm is very happy to have fan films out there. You know, George Lucas always encouraged it. Well, he made his film. He had a composer make music for it. He posted it out there. People were checking out. It was very, very good. He got a lot of views and realized, wow, well, if I would have been able to monetize this, I could have made a lot of money off of this film that would have helped. You know, he the cost of this making this thing was huge. Um, so he, and he put, I don't know where he got the money to do it, but you know, he, and he did a good job. I watched it, but what happened is Warner Chapel or Chappelle, I think it's Warner Chappelle. They filed copyright on him on a YouTube because, and, and what they said, and I know cop, I'll explain copyright law to y'all. Cause I have had to learn some stuff. They said that a section on the music resembled the Imperial March. Now everybody got all mad at did blaming Disney. And all this other, oh, blah, blah, blah. he even got a clear through Lucasfilm to make it. But here's how copyright works: it's the music that that had the violation. Yeah. Okay. And copyright is very sticky. You can have just just the right amount of notes that have that match something else, and it can actually be a violation of copyright. But copyright violation is so simple that my teacher actually had us do an experiment in class. We drew a picture. Everybody, we drew a picture. We, we passed it over to somebody else. So somebody else handed me their picture. And then we drew something else with it or added something to it in some way. And then she said, you've all just violated copyright by even adding. If you have something of the original there, that can be a violation of copyright. And that's perfectly legal. Now, granted, at this point, because we had exchanged, we, would, we had given permission, really, by doing the exchange. So that, I, that, I don't think that would not be a full violation because if you've given permission for somebody to add and change stuff, then okay, they have permission, no problem. So he had permission to make the film. But if the music really did resemble in one point, and I didn't, I didn't get to hear exactly what bit of the music was the issue, that would actually be a violation of copyright if he did, if his composer used any bit of the Imperial March. So they were perfectly legal to have it. But now what everybody fussed about is with them being able to make a copyright claim, they weren't pulling the video down, but it meant that they were allowed to monetize the video. And then people got mad because they were able to make money and he's not. Well, of course he's not. He didn't create the characters. He created a story and it's a fan film. He should not have expected any money, but why everybody got mad that because of potential copyright claim, you know, that Lucasfilm can make some money through or or Warner Chappelle, whatever that they can make money because of that little bit of music. That is how copyright law works. But everybody wanted to blame Disney. Then the fun thing is, though, Lucasfilm, seeing that this was a problem and a PR disaster, they said, oh, no, just go ahead and remove that claim. It's, it's a fan film. Let it go. So pretty much happy ending for everybody. But people needed to calm down yeah. because that there, it was a perfectly legal thing. And, you know, this Warner Chappelle is one part of a little group and that they kind of police these sort of things. I mean, you put if you put a, something on YouTube, believe me, the Warner Music Group will get off after it, and they'll make sure they get their nickels because you. What use I something. like, though, what I respect the whole thing is George Lucas and the people 
I respect him because mm-hmm. in this situation especially, I respect him as being a, uh, he allows people to do this stuff. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't have to. Unlike CBS that you cannot make a Star Trek fan film without, you know, they, they went up the, up the deep end. Yeah, uh, so, I respect whoa. Lucas. He knows without the fans, you right. have nothing. Yeah. He knows that, and he respects us and our wishes. Without them, you don't have what you have. Uh, incidentally, yeah, the, the the CBS people are crazy about the Star Trek thing. Yeah, but, that was insane. But that came Roddenberry, out. on the other hand, he knew that without the fans, right, you don't have what you have. That's why he wasn't near as crazy about it. It's now it's the companies who produce it. They do, but he yeah. didn't because he respected the fans. Yeah. And this show, Lucas was filmed for respecting the fans, and I'm sure Disney was also okay with the decision to say, oh no, remove that copyright claim, but you have these little watchdog things, and Warner says a lot to me, because Warner Music Group will eat you alive, and Warner Music Group actually has popped up some stuff where if you have a bit of a Disney music inside of something. I had even some some of my video from Walt Disney World had some music from Lion King. Warner Music Group filed the copyright on it. Yeah. So that's the ones you need to be mad at. Don't be mad at blaming Disney. There are these watchdog groups out there that they're the ones that file these claims. But everything's turned out okay. Yeah. Nobody's making money off the video. The video was never taken down. You can go and watch it, and I advise you do, because it was pretty cool. And I hope he does get to make another one, but he's going to have to fund it himself, and I don't know where he's going to get the money, but he's got more money than I do to even... I think when I was reading, it was like $180,000 to make this fan film, and he would like to make... I can't wait to watch This was like an episode episode one, so he's planning on doing more. And it was well thought out, and it was very, very good, so everybody go and check it out. But uh, it's time we go and visit the trailer park. All right, y'all. One more time. It don't matter what you look like. It don't nobody gonna sing with me. Okay. The Neverland Trailer Park. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to do in the trailer park, this was something that would have just been news, but there was a teaser. I'm not going to play the audio from the teaser because there's not much to it. No. But Jason Reitman released news this week, and Dan Aykroyd's talking about it. Ernie Hudson's talking about it. Ghostbusters 3 with the original cast is finally happening! About time. It's about blinking time. I just hate, and I, I know they're was thinking it, so I might as well say it. I hate that we had to have the other film come out. <laughs> and I hate. Now, I can't talk intelligently because it's me. No, I can't talk intelligently because I never did get to see it all the way through. I saw bits and pieces. It was. Someday I'll watch it because I'm not a complete jerk. Because you feel like you want to torture yourself. And the other. Well, look, I. I'll get, I respect the women. I got nothing against that. I don't care that the women are not. That doesn't bother me. Too bad but, that they weren't funny. Well, well you one know, of them was kind of funny. I just more or less mean it doesn't bother me that they're women in the movie. That doesn't bother me. But the other thing is, is that I hate th- that we didn't get to have Harold Ramis. Yeah. That to me is I hated that they waited so long because I know this for a fact. I read about it for a good phew, 20 years. Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd tried and tried and tried to get the film made. Yeah, but Bill Murray, Bill Murray kept holding back. And what well, we Hudson, don't even we don't even know if Bill Murray's coming. No, to we do don't this know for sure. I'd simply know this: that the closest that we will ever get to having a third film with all four of the main cast that game is that game. So this is like Ghostbusters four. In that way. game was Ghostbusters. 3. Yeah, the only one who couldn't do it. And I hey, I respect him. And that if you haven't Rick, played that game, by the way, go play it. Yeah, it's Rick. 
Uh, it's an old game now. Well, I can't think of his full name right now. Rick, uh, Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis. And that was because he was, at the time, raising his girls. Yeah. So I respect him for that. I would love to him to come back. Yeah, because right now he's not. They're, they're older See, now. Gourney Weaver, I bet, would come back, too. Oh, I would love it. That would be fantastic. It would be great to get them all back. But yeah. but if they do get to do this with Bill and all of them, we, whether they, he does or not, we need to have a salute to our main man, Egon. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, you know, with this teaser, because we got this is the trailer part, this teaser show like this little kind of barn out somewhere in a rural yeah. part of New York State, I guess. It reminded me of the... And somebody's working with the equipment fixing it up or something. They got the Ecto-1. What if Egon has a son or a daughter or That'd somebody who's following in his footsteps? It reminded and me... Because passing the torch, that's what everybody said that that last Ghostbusters movie should have been about the original characters, not having the cast in there, but them being their characters and passing the torch on to new Ghostbusters. I, I, what I wanted to see from that film See, I, like I said, I didn't mind that there were women in it. I didn't bother. I want to see, like, a Ghostbusters, a Next Generation type thing yeah. where you have uh, Peter and, like I said, it's a shame they didn't do it earlier with Egon and all of them. I wanted to see him kind of like that, that one cartoon, which was a bad cartoon, but they had Egon and Ray and them handing... Yeah. Training the next generation. There's a lot of people who were fans of that cartoon. Day. Yeah, it wasn't horrible, but it just wasn't as good as the other one yeah. for me. I couldn't get into it yeah, either. But, but I will say... But there were people who liked it, so... Uh, like back in 2000, I think it was, maybe it was before that, there was a talk of making a new movie that was going to be people like at the time you have to remember when it was, year 2000. They're talking about having Ben Affleck, better not Ben Affleck, it was a oh, ben, yeah, Stiller, yeah, ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. And, ben Stiller and, and Owen Wilson would have been fun. Yeah, Owen Wilson. And I think, <laughs> I think uh, even Vince Vaughn. They Vince about, Vaughn. Might have been fun, Ghostbusters. They were going to be trained. Yeah. And that would have been a great show. That would have been good. I don't, would have all I don't remember who awesome. else was. I think Chris Rock was spoken about. <laughs> oh, and man. I thought that. That would have been a great, great, and I think there was a woman talk, talked about at the time. Uh, uh, was it Janine Garoppolo, I think? Or, but I thought that would have been a really fun it could have show. Been a good, good Ghostbusters, yeah. And who knows? You know, who knows who they'll get? Yeah. You know, to be. But all we know is it's happening. We've got two years. Oh no, no, not two, well because it's, it's already 2019 already. Yeah. It? So we've got a year and and a few months until 2020 summer to get little bits of information leaked out to us, and we'll find out more. And of course, fans are going to speculate over oh, everything. Oh yeah, give me Slimer. You're gonna oh, I'll bet so, and I'll bet you're gonna have fans that are going to yell and scream and say this is horrible. They shouldn't have. They shouldn't just leave it oh, alone. You're gonna no, have no, it. No. It's all gonna happen, but it's coming. But now, okay, so another big deal trailer that dropped this week, and uh, I'm going to grab audio here for the international trailer because there's no uh, foul language in the international trailer. Um, but before I play this audio, I would like to share for you an audio when my conversation with Jim Corcus when we were actually talking about the original Spider-Man Homecoming. But Homecoming was so insulting to me, and I, I even bought it because I thought, well, maybe I just need to watch and, and, it a second And why did, why did you find it? Uh, I, I'm I'm not disagreeing, but I, but I'm always curious about other people's uh, perspectives, even if it's things that I already know. Uh, what is it that you found insulting about it? Well, the number one thing is the character of Michelle, which the only relatable character to the comics I could find is the character that popped up later, and she's just the same way of being very annoying and really cranky, as was displayed in the movie. Mm -hmm. So I figured, okay, that must have been the inspiration for this character. Uh, the final straw on her was when they said, oh, my friends call me MJ. I was like, no, wait, no, this is not Mary Jane. Thank you very much. Uh, no J. Jonah Jameson. Not even a mention of Harry. Uh, what, I, what I expected to right. have been Liz Allen turned out to be Liz Toombs, which, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I appreciate in Spider-Man. It's always nice to have the villain somehow or another personally connected. So I appreciate they went that direction a little bit. 
Uh, but it just well, well, I, I, I think their belief, and again, I'm just guessing, I haven't read anything about this, is, my gosh, we've had so many Spider-Man films, you know, we, we've got to, you know, try a different uh, perspective. I, I don't think that always works. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Flash Thompson, you know, I, instead I, of being I, the know. quarterback, is now on the, the academics team. He's, a, he's supposed to be, a, like, big as an ox, strong as an ox, and about as smart as one, you know, and then he's on the right, academic right, team. Right, No, oh. no, listen, I, I, I grew up reading those, those uh, comic books uh, as well, too. I'm a big comic book collector. In, in fact, if you dig deep enough into my biography there, you, you'll see that I wrote for comic book fanzines and things like that, and I was considered oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. A, a comic uh, historian. And, and, and I actually wrote um, uh, forwards for several books uh, of uh, comics published by um, uh, Malibu Graphics, wow. who reprinted uh, some comic strips and comic books and things like that. And so, yeah, I'm I'm a huge uh, comic book fan. I not only met Stan Lee multiple oh, times, jealous. I met Steve Ditko once. Oh, jealous. And and actually, oh, wow. Steve, Steve Ditko was 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 really kind of nice. I I thought he you know was was going to be this antisocial, you know, he it, basically though he just wanted to be left alone, and he wanted to be judged by uh, his. Um, artwork and his storytelling not by um who he was or what he did or what he believed mm. and his artwork was <laughs> but amazing. i only met him that once maybe i met him on a good day but but he he he, he, uh, he, he was very nice he, he he wasn't very talkative but but he wasn't um you know rude or um uh, uh shy or uh, you know uh what whatever but uh, yeah, one one of my great memories. I I, I met Jack Kirby a couple of oh, times, man. and and that, that was terrific. Wow. And again, my my great regret, of course, is that I didn't follow up with some uh, uh, interviews. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I was a California boy, so I went down to San Diego Comic Con many times, and I I went down as a fan, and then I later went down as a uh, a dealer. With with my uh, uh, friend and former uh, writing partner John Cawley, we had Corcus and Cawley's Cartoon and Comic Company, where we sold animation uh, 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 cells and people don't even know animation oh, cells wow. nowadays and and artwork and books and videotapes and things like that. And at one of the San Diego cons, uh, John and I were at breakfast and Jack Kirby came in with his wife Roz and I just went over and started talking to him but again because I'm also an animation historian and wrote for animation magazines I started talking to him about his time at the uh, Fleischer Studios where as a 16 oh, wow. year old he went in as an in-betweener and he was in-betweening for Popeye cartoons and Betty Boop cartoons wow. and so I was wow. I talked with him about well what was you know what was the studio like, and what was, and and in fact, one of the people who was an in betweener with him at the same time was uh, uh, John Stanley, who went on to do the Little Lulu comic oh, books cool. for for Dell, and and and, okay, and all yeah. that. So I'm talking to, and then later, Callie says, "Really, is that what you wanted to talk to him about? You didn't want to talk about <laughs> Captain America or 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 his, his his work on the Marvel animated cartoons or." I said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I want it." And by then he was gone. Oh man! Know, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a whole other episode we can have you on to talk about some comic book stuff. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I again, I, I just uh, love comic books, and, and there's a, a real connection between um, uh, animators and especially Disney animators yeah. and and uh, uh, comic books. You know, Walt Kelly left being a, an animator at the Disney Studios because the Disney strike was coming. Mm. He left and got a job with um, uh, Western Publishing doing uh, Dell comic books, and that's where he developed Pogo. Pogo first appeared in comic books for Dell before they appeared as a comic strip. I don't think I know that character. Well, now you'll Google it and you'll look it up. <laughs> Pogo the Possum. Pogo the Possum. <laughs> he, 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 he was considered one of the top comic strip characters of all time. Wow. And being reprinted by uh, Fantagraphics uh, right now, and and again, what happened is during the fifties is uh, uh, Kelly turned the uh, comic strip into not just funny animals, but funny animals doing um, uh, political commentary mm. on uh, Joseph McCarthy oh, yeah. and, and and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh <laughs> these no. No banana. Great. <laughs> Two weeks in Europe is gonna be great. I'm just gonna enjoy my trip, hang out with MJ. You look really pretty. And therefore I have value? No, 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 that's not what I meant. I'm messing with you. <laughs> I think she really likes me. That's really nice. Really reminds me of Wayne. So nice to finally meet you, Spider-Man. You're Nick Fury. Put some clothes on. Let's go for a ride. I think Nick Fury just hijacked our summer vacation. Awesome! You got gifts, Parker. But we have a job to do. Are you going to step up or not? You're all alone. Your friends are in trouble. What are you going to do about it? You don't want any part of this. He's like Iron Man and Thor rolled into one. He's no Spider-Man. What is it with you and Spider-Man? What, he looks out for the neighborhood, has a dope suit, and I really respect him. Sub loser. All right, so Spider-Man Far From Home. So now you've heard my, my major, one of my major, one of my major problems with that movie is the character of Michelle, who now we see in this movie, they're shoving more of her, and I can't stand that character anyway. Uh, and but she's now the major love interest, and so we're going to get even more of her and her just uh, uh, annoying, you know. Suppose I, it's kind of like L three on even Jar Jar stuff that you figure. Oh, well, I guess that's supposed to be funny, but it's really just comes off as annoying, mm. and it doesn't work. Yeah. There's no way to be annoying and make it funny. Just look at Sheldon Cooper on The Big Bang Theory. They, you know, he's basically an annoying character, but they do it in a way that's funny. But if when you're, I don't know, if the character is just 
I don't know, grouchy or however you want to call it. Obnoxious. Obnoxious. It's not funny. Yeah. And so I don't like that character. I'm also very disappointed that we were told, oh, we're going to see Hydro Man and we're going to see the Molten Man. And it even looked like we got Sandman. But that's not who apparently these are. These are apparently some illusions by Mysterio. Which, oh, oh we're going to see Mysterio's face the whole time. I did see a little bit when he's in action. He's yeah. got his dome on. But I, I don't I don't want his identity revealed until later. Yeah. Because if this has been done a proper Mysterio, he should be a stuntman or whatever or, you know, a special effects artist. That has been, ticked, you know, Spider Man ticked him off before, or whatever, because he had done something. Spider Man caught him on it, you know. If they do his origin properly, I mean, I do like the how he seems to be coming into this. He's pretending to be a superhero, so it seems like he's created the illusions of a big fire, and they're, they're like elemental monsters, yeah. Not Molten Man and Hydro Man, yeah. like I felt like I was kind of told that was going to happen because I was excited about that idea because yeah. oh, some little known characters are going to get some space. No, they're not. Well, at least they're getting. Known for people, at least you're getting to hear about him. I mean, if nothing yeah, else, but, 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 that but Mysterio, he's one of those guys who, who a lot of folks out there don't know of, and uh, we do. Well, they see him that that dome head, they'll be like, Oh, that's that's that guy because they, they'll know of that. They'll, they'll, sure. they'll see visually, Mr. Fishbowl head, yeah, Fishbowl. <laughs> hey, I love Mysterio, yeah, I always have, and I'm glad to see him in a movie, but I, you know, I. I was disappointed in Homecoming. I'm probably going to be disappointed. I'm only probably going to see this because I want to review it for the listeners. And I personally but don't liked, expect a positive review from me. And I, you know I'm a Spider-Man junkie. but I personally liked Homecoming. I didn't like everything about it, but I loved Homecoming for several reasons. One of them, I liked the guy playing Spider-Man. Yeah, I know nothing and, against Tom Holland. And I like, yeah, I can never remember his name. And yeah, I, too, I've, I've, I like I'm him. nuts about Michael Keaton. Yeah. And he was perfect. He, yeah, he, he was great. I mean, overall, if you look at it just from a movie movie perspective, it's a it's a decent movie. Yeah, and the it's same just with all the, the things that they messed up that bothered What's his name again? Gender, uh, or no, not Gender Hall. Um, uh. Gender Hall. <laughs> Gender Mahal has the WWE. No, wrestler. Gender Mahal. No, uh, the guy playing uh, uh, Mysterio. Uh, oh, Jeff Gyllenhaal. Jeff Gyllenhaal. Or Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Sorry. Jake. See, you got me all mixed up. You got me mixed up. No, I'm saying Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. He's a good actor. Yeah, so we'll see how he is a Mysterio. I would love still Bruce Campbell. With the, oh, with the old Sam Raimi movies, they were talking about Bruce Campbell playing Mysterio. He would have been good. He'd have been fantastic. But that being said, we got uh, Jenna Hall. I think he's going to do a good job. Yeah. And, and I, I, I like his costume yeah. in this. I mean, because you know who it is. It. Yeah, they did. That, I'm proud of him for that. Even the little eyeball things right yeah. for the cape. You know you who know. he is. I mean, there's yeah, no, you know that's Mysterio. You, you don't have to guess. But I didn't want to see him without the dome until he's he gets like he gets revealed. Well, not we'll, showing up, and then he puts the dome on for like a cover. I mean, we'll have to see what they do in the film, though. Yeah. I mean, they may. In all reality, when it comes to this commercial, it might just be that they're trying to sell him the actor. Yeah, because they, they want to be able to see. But it's Jake Gyllenhaal. We want to see his face, and uh, yeah, that could. I be what get it, doing. but uh, and I still the 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 making it funny of everybody flirting with Aunt May. Those still come off very awkward to me. Yeah, I, I gotta I, say. I, I mean, I will say I thought, and I've said it when they cast her, and I like Marissa Tomei. Oh, I love her, but and she she might be about the right don't age. Don't take that wrong. Yeah, she's pretty, but I just yeah. mean I love her I as mean, an actress. I, I, yeah, I like Marissa Tomei and everything, but there's nothing Aunt Mayish about her. No, at all. I, Although there was some stuff in the Homecoming, I did like that she was worrying about him. Yeah, the way that, that Aunt May does. She does a great job. In it. You know, she she's really playing does. the character, but they were able to go with the angle of oh, hot Aunt May. That was awkward to it me. Was, me, I was going. I think of Aunt May. I'm always going to think of the older woman, Rosemary Harris, and the yeah, same rainbow. She I'm, was so perfect. I'm always going to think of someone. And, I, and Sally Field was made a pretty good. Yeah, Aunt she May did too. pretty good. I liked her. You go a little younger; it's one thing. You go hot. 
because uh, she is. She's a very good-looking, attractive lady, woman. Yeah. But that doesn't seem like Aunt May to me. It, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem as Aunt May-ish. It's, uh, so, you could even go someone who's in her late 50s, early 60s. And Well, I, I think she is. A, like She might be in her 50s. She's got to be in her she's, 50s. She's in her 40s, at least, her late 40s. I think she's older than I think she's in her. Because she, look it up. she was in her co- early college years when I was like uh, in my pre-teen. Well, the first thing I know that she was in was My Cousin Vinny. She got an Oscar. Before that, though, she was That's in. the first thing I knew. Right, right before that, she was in uh, Different World. With, That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah she's, she's in, in that. Where you coming from? <laughs> yeah. Wow. The only one year. That was yeah, the, first, the yeah, very yeah, first yeah. year. Wow, that was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're aging ourselves. Uh, you but, are. <laughs> but, yeah, this trailer did not get me excited. Well, it did me because, I, like also, I said. I, I, granted, I've been watching it a few more times. Like We did get to see it in the American version. There's a bit more some web slinging. Yeah. You know, because web sling is always fun to watch. But oh, it, it seemed is. like the focus was on the gliding. It's like, it's more like a flying Spider-Man than we're getting. It. And, and I was not, I was not entirely keen on the AI suit, really, because it, it, it felt like it lost some of the Spider-Man-ness. Yeah. He felt like he it was too much, too I much personally, of an Iron Man thing. I'm more an old school man myself, yeah. and so I like the old I, school. I like him having some cool gadgets. That's yeah. been great in the game. All the fun gadgets is great. Yeah, I'm, in the, but, I'm I don't just know, starting that game. AI it's all fun. suit and talking to the suit just didn't work for me, even though I love Jennifer Connelly. Oh, yeah. Oh, having yeah. Her in the suit was awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Ever since Labyrinth, you know, and the yeah. Rocketeer. You know, oh, yeah. I love like Jennifer Connelly. Too. Boy, so, I, I sound and like she's actually married to the Vision. Yeah, she is. So, <laughs> lucky life. dude. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, it sorry, it doesn't work for me. Well, and, but I will see this. And don't forget. But I will not be excited. Jennifer Connelly was also in one of the Hulk movies. That's right. <laughs> she was the she was Betty. Yeah. And I still kind of like that one. I don't think yeah, it's not near as good as the the Incredible yeah. Hulk. But which I guess that one wasn't received as well as as they expected either. But I thought that Incredible Hulk movie was pretty good. People can say what they want. It's still a part of the now. Yeah, it's still connected, even though it was Ed Norton and all the different actors and Mark. Russell. I liked him. It was fine. Yeah. And but it's oh can we have the leader now please because I was excited excited me to see too that. and I love that actor come on Universal I know has the race for solo films come on Disney just work it out let Universal yeah, release some let's solo do this. movies <laughs> with Mark Ruffalo that's fine yeah let's I do would it. go yeah let's do it or at least bring the leader in on something where the Hulk is involved even if we tie it to somebody else's movie I, I would love it I would that love would be it. great yeah I, I, there's so many people they could do what about that great big war guy that, that he's big green war guy that had that great big beard I can't remember his name completely he, no idea but. Uh, we've gone I'm forty-five. Minutes. I'm sorry. We've gone over forty-five minutes, and I still have a over half an hour to talk to Jim Corcus. We'll do it, brother. That's right. To Disney and beyond. Okay, we have a fantastic guest this week. Now, I'm going to go through a little bit of history, just in case some of you out there have never listened to WDW Radio with Lou Mangello, because I know there's there's got to be somebody out there who's never heard of it. But uh, he frequently has this author on, and I'm telling you, I referred to him, and my wife was like, oh my gosh, this is like a walking Disney historian encyclopedia. He knows everything. So, But this is Jim Corcus, who grew up in Los Angeles and has been a frequent visitor to Disneyland, was an original member of the Mouse Club and the National Fantasy Fan Club, went to all kinds of conventions, actually uh talked to a lot and interviewed a lot of people who worked with Walt Disney and has written at least 20 books if not more has been a freelance writer a teacher and was actually a dealer of animation artwork and aren't you actually like one of the head people at the Disney archives now no 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 I I I, I wish I wish I was but uh 
No, believe it or not, I'm I'm one of those Walt Disney World uh, cast members that uh, got laid off in uh, 2009. In fact, I got laid off the same week as 3,000 other Walt Disney World cast members. And and despite the fact that I had won all sorts of recognition, like uh, Partners in Excellence, uh, which is only given to the top 5% of uh, the over 60,000 cast members that work at Walt Disney World, uh, I was given a hearty handshake <laughs> <laughs> and, and told, uh, you know, go explore some other dreams. And, uh, again, I hold no hard feelings. I, I always tell people that uh, one of the reasons I've survived and one of the reasons I still do some uh, contract work uh, for Disney is I realize that you can love the Disney brand. The Disney brand are the, the characters, uh, being in the parks, which can, can be a, a transformative experience. And you can love that but still have some concerns how the Disney business operates. And uh, so, uh, actually, one of my best friends for a long while was uh, uh, Disney archivist uh, Dave Smith, and he was he yeah. was one of those inspirations for me uh, to study Disney history, because I, I was always interested in Disney, and I was always interested uh, in uh, in history. You know, why do things uh, happen? And I had a uh, junior college. Um, uh, in, instructor who was a Civil War historian. I had wow. no idea what a Civil War historian was, but I later learned, you know, that that's the person who, uh, you know, people go to for reference and for information. And one of the things that transformed my life is he was able to show us in his class that uh, history uh, was not about um, uh, dates, was not about... Uh, uh, events, uh, you know, all, all of that. It was about people. It was the story of people, and and not just the the generals and 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 the 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 big people. It, it was the day to day people who were who were doing things, and how all of that together influenced things that, that happened or didn't happen. And and the same is uh, uh, very true. Um, uh, with with Disney and and the thing with Disney too and the exciting thing is that you know I've I've been doing this for well over thirty years now but uh, there's always new things uh, that that pop up that that you don't uh, don't know of and and in fact today we're going to be talking about a theme park that Walt was going to create that never got realized. And it, it actually took place in Missouri, in St. Louis. And uh, what, what's going to be exciting for the listeners is in December uh, 2015, the only known existing copy of the blueprints for this project, which was called Riverfront Square, it was sold at auction for $27,000 wow. and has since disappeared into a private collection that that's oh, wow. oftentimes what happens is private collectors will get something and not share it with others my my uh goal is i want to share that information yeah. with other people and i got to see uh actually some of those 13 pages of those blueprints and so on today's show i'm going to share some of that information that i that i saw 
of what was going to be there. Now, the auction price was predicted to be like about $5,000. As I said, it sold for $27,000, which, which shows you how people felt that, oh, my gosh, this is really valuable, and, mm-hmm. and it is. It, it's the only copy uh, that was, was available. You know, Walt, of course, is, as you know, uh, Missouri. Missouri is, mm-hmm. is what he considered his uh, home state. You know, he always felt that his roots were there in, in, in Missouri. Uh, you know, his, his boyhood in um, uh, Marceline and then yeah. uh, later uh, growing up in uh, uh, Kansas City where everything Woo-hoo. was up to date. And, uh, you know, he, he always felt uh, a, a really warm spot in his, his heart for, for Missouri. And, and at one point, uh, you know, uh, in, in 1956, he, he started to make plans to build a um, working turn-of-the-century farm in Marceline called the Marceline Project and later Walt's Boyhood Farm. And he bought the land. The mm-hmm. Disney Company bought the land. There, there, there was there, there was going to be a motel. There was going to be a, a fishing pond. There was going to be a uh, a huge barn where there was going to be a barn dance act activity and and a and a cafe and and so basically Walt felt that uh, today's generation was losing touch with you know respect for uh, for nature and 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 the roots of America and all of this. So so people would have been able to come to Walt's boyhood farm and relive. Uh, that that experience and actually participate, you know, the, with with animals and planting and, and and things like that and and so that's a whole nother story. But oh, yeah. <laughs> what happened with St. Louis, Missouri, was uh, I I bet a lot of people don't realize that it was founded in 1764. So in 1964, that was going to be the big bicentennial. So they wanted to do something really big. So that's that's why the Gateway Arch got built, uh, and it opened in uh, October '65. And the multi-purpose uh, Bush Memorial Stadium, which opened in '66, all of those were part of a project to celebrate St. Louis's bicentennial. And in addition, they had set aside uh, some land that was just north of where the stadium was going to be built where they were going to have something really innovative. It was going to be an outdoor mall, but it was going to be closed off to automobile traffic. So it was a, a pedestrian paradise. And, and there'd, there'd be theaters, there'd be restaurants, there'd be stores, and, and it'd be uh, uh, themed to uh, uh, 19th century uh, St. Louis, when, when it was really you know the king of the Mississippi there, and, and, and the riverfront square would be facing you know, uh, the Mississippi. Yeah. And so they're thinking, what can we do for this bicentennial to really, you know, just just blow it out of the water? And so they went and they talked with Walt Disney because Walt Disney was looking for other opportunities. He didn't want to build a, a, another Disneyland. He, he had gotten, um, by 64, he had gotten well over 250 offers from places in the United States and foreign countries to come and build another Disneyland because they knew that if there was a Disneyland there, it would increase jobs, it would increase tourism, it would increase, you know, all of these other little things that could crop up, restaurants and things like this, which would benefit from that. But Walt didn't want to do that. Walt was looking for other challenges. And 
And one of the things that he was looking around at that time was, believe it or not, to build uh, circle vision theaters. And those people who've been to, you know, the Disney theme parks know what that is, where yeah. you're, you're standing up with those guide rails and around you are all these uh, nine different screens, whatever, you know, uh, uh, showing this. And so, uh, of course, you know, that was very popular at Disneyland. Walt uh, created a film for the 58 Brussels World's Fair. Uh, in 1961, he uh, created one in Italy for uh, uh, an exposition that they were having there. He was in discussions about building one at Niagara Falls. And, and so basically St. Louis came to him and they said, well, you know, what would you think of, uh, you know, doing a circle vision film? And, and, and it would tell the, the history of, of Missouri or, or, or the history of the Mississippi River, you know, Mark Twain, you know, uh, all of this, you know, about a 15, 20-minute film, which, believe it or not, would have cost about $2 million dollars. And so Walt went and, and talked with them in, in St. Louis, and uh, they were hoping, yes, he, he's, he's going to get on board. And in uh, March 63, uh, Walt in Burbank actually talked with his um, I- entire staff, especially Harrison Buzz Price, who uh, w- was the guy who you know found the place for Disneyland, found the place for Walt Disney World, and said, you know, this sounds like an interesting idea in St. Louis. What if we took over that entire project? And so they ran the numbers, and yes, there would be enough of a local population. Uh, there would be enough tourists coming in to see the archway and, and all of this. And uh, so they, they would, you know, be interested. In, in May, Walt and his uh, daughter and his wife went, and they were uh, visiting around, and, and uh, people of St. Louis thought, well, he, he's just checking to see where he's going to put this circle uh, vision theater and all of this. And um, it came as a great shock where in uh, November 18th, 1963, Walt said the Disney company is going to do the entire Riverfront Square. <laughs> <laughs> Holy, oh my gosh, the, the guy who, who made Disneyland, he, he's going to build, you know, another <laughs> Disneyland here in St. Louis? And, um, uh, in fact, at that conference, uh, Walt said he was envisioning things that would make parts of Disneyland obsolete. Wow. That, that, that huh. Missouri, the history of Missouri, you know, just so I- important to him. You know, he, he was raised on the, the farm, and he wanted to create a venue that was not just entertaining, but also um, educational. And... Yeah. Um, and, and But again, the problem was, uh, the challenge was, because at Disney you never have problems. You only have challenges. <laughs> right. The challenge was the, the weather. You yeah. know, that, that, that was one of the oh, big yeah. problems, especially along the East Coast, is that, you know, many of the amusement parks there uh, would be closed for, you know, uh, several months uh, of, of the year, you know, uh, uh, and so uh, that was one of the challenges that Walt faced, and one of the reasons that he eventually went down to uh, to Florida, where where you've got uh, uh, more of that uh, weather. But but basically, Walt was going to build an enclosed theme park. It was going to be five. 
stories high. Wow. And, and, and two, one or two of those stories would actually be underground. Of course. And it would be over two city blocks long. <laughs> you know, uh, and basically a three-and-a-half-acre uh, building. Yeah. And, and half of it would represent uh, St. Louis at the turn of the century. And the other half would represent uh, New Orleans before the Civil War. And mm. through lights and through painting on the ceiling, you once you went into that building, you would be immersed in, my gosh, I've, I've time-traveled, you know, back in time to the, uh, you know, uh, 1800s, early 1900s, you know, you wouldn't be able to tell you were inside a building. Wow. Um, uh, you know, so you'd have the light, and not only would you have that lighting and a cloud-filled sky where the, the, the clouds would const- constantly be moving, and the light would constantly be moving, so, so it w- was like, you know, earlier in, in the day, it's lighter up there. As you get towards evening, it gets darker up there as night was, was coming. Mm-hmm. Wow. There were sound effects uh, piped in, you know, horses clipping, clip-clopping down the street, uh, uh Sound effects. There, there'd be uh, uh, turn of the century uh, music. So, so again, very similar to um, Main Street USA, you know, yeah. uh, uh, at the parks, but on steroids. <laughs> and, and now you guys have just been just been going on and on and on and on and on here. But uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I, I, but go ahead. If, if there's something you'd like to say here before you know. Uh, we dive you further? know, if, if people forget, I was a junior high school teacher, so I'm in <laughs> love with the sound of my own voice, and 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 I'm also just so excited uh, about um, uh, uh, sharing, you know, uh, yeah. all of this information, and and I'll bet that that most of the people who are listening never even knew there was a project like this. I, I, did, I didn't. Did, did either of you know of this? I had no idea, and I you know, I grew up here in Missouri, and you know I I didn't even know about the Marceline Project until I just happened to be at the uh, uh, the museum up there, the hometown museum, and I saw some documents about the Marceline Project, and I I started having to go like, well, what is this? What was what was happening here? And part of me almost thought it was something that was maybe the Disney Company was doing now, and then I found out no, this is something Walt wanted to do, and uh, he passed no, away no, before Walt, he could make it reality. Walt was so. in it from fifty uh, six. To uh, his death in '66, yeah. he worked on it for a decade. Oh, wow. The Disney Company bought over 300 acres with options for up to 500 other acres. Mm-hmm. And and and, and Harrison the guy Buzz that they, Price they did the did the survey and said, "No, you're not going to be able to make any money off of this." And Walt says. Just wait till I come on TV, you know, in, in one of the introductions I go, next time you're in Missouri, drop by my farm, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, Buzz Price said, no, I don't think that's even, even going to uh, uh, do it because, uh, well, you've been to Marceline. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it's not easy to get to, right? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of off the interstate a little bit. <laughs> Uh, uh, there were plans to actually build uh, um, a uh, four-lane highway that that was going to connect with a with a main interstate. You know, in in order to drive traffic to 
uh, to Marceline because in those days even the train didn't stop at Marceline in, anymore. Yeah, but but, uh, <laughs> but Walt wanted that project so much that he said, "We're going to make it a nonprofit." <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and 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 so and and so when Walt says something that that that's. Uh, uh, going to do it and one of the great things at marceline I, i'm i don't know whether you saw it or not but up on the wall they actually had walt's uh pencil hand sketch of of what everything mm-hmm. was going to be there was going to be a buggy train ride yeah. there was going to be a uh, uh all of this stuff and the thing that killed it was after walt died of course there was no champion for the project roy mm-hmm. was only sort of half-hearted uh, uh uh walt's brother roy was only mm-hmm. sort of half-hearted mm-hmm. about uh doing that but once walt died everything in the company everything in the company shifted to walt disney world you know yeah. the most expensive private construction comp- uh, project in the world up to that time and um mm-hmm. so e- even disneyland was not getting you know uh uh new items after 67 because everything was devoted to Walt Disney World and then you take a look at this thing that's not going to make one penny <laughs> <laughs> right. and, and then when yeah. when Roy dies in 71 it's like that's it so uh, basically the um, uh, the company uh, sold all the land that it had uh, purchased uh, they sold it back through uh, Rush uh, uh, Rush Johnson. Johnson, yeah, yeah. Who, who, That's the, I was trying to remember they, his they, name. They earlier. sold it for half what they paid for it, and and Rush is the guy who bought the forty-five acres that still had the uh, Disney farm and the mm-hmm. and the house and the Dreaming Tree, and he gave that uh, when his daughter Kay got married. He yeah. gave it to Kay, who is Kay Mallins. Uh, she married Wally Mallins. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, and and Kay re- raised her family there. Uh, she's still there. She's the the director of the Walt uh, uh, hometown uh, yeah, hometown museum. Uh, yeah. museum. And so you know. And she still has yet to invite me to come and visit the inside of the house. I've been on the property quite a few times, and they know me up there, but I've not been invited into the house yet. And not I'm only do you on need it. to get invited <laughs> in the house, you need to get into Walt's bedroom because she has kept yes. it the way that Walt bedroom was when when he was he was a boy there that's but wait a minute we're talking about st louis <laughs> what, what is this you you, you guys you... are crazy you're getting you're getting me <laughs> off topic here and 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 we only have a, a a limited amount of time well you know uh what walt didn't walt drank walt drank what was called a scotch mist which is a combination of of sort of water with scotch and ice and and scotch sort of sprinkled over the top. So he he may have drunk a lot, but he he didn't drink a lot of alcohol. But um, he also recognized he also grew up in that time where everybody drank alcohol. However, at Disneyland, he was insistent that there be no alcohol because he had seen it at at amusement parks that if people drank alcohol, it, uh, it changed their personality. You know, they became rowdy, and that impacted the experience of other people there and all that so uh, walt always said you know if people want to drink you know they can go across the street to the disneyland hotel you know and get one you know but it's not going to be in the park and so of course when he's building this it's like no we're not going to have any alcohol you know and remember we're doing this in st louis 
So at a press conference, uh, the Anheuser-Busch beer baron, August Bush Jr., publicly proclaimed any man who would build something like this and then not serve beer and liquor is crazy. (laughs) Now, according to urban myth, for those who have heard this, according to urban myth, the moment Bush said that, Walt raised his eyebrow. And uh, I, I even heard, uh, I, I talked, I interviewed Admiral Joe Fowler at one time, and, and he was there at that uh, the, the meeting, and, and he told me this happened. Walt raised his eyebrow, left the room, we all left the room, we got on the, the plane, and Walt said, that project is dead, and that killed the project. That is an oh, wow. urban myth, okay? Uh, because uh, uh, basically, you know, uh, St. Louis was, well, we need to sell beer, wine, and liquor, you know, in the, in the <laughs> yeah. restaurants. And, 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 and in fact, you know, uh, that land that was Riverfront Square, uh, Bush was planning on having some restaurants there and bars there and all that. And he was also going to build a Bush museum. I don't know if that ever got built, but uh, it would give out free samples of beer. You know, uh, and so uh, that didn't stop uh, uh, Walt. What Walt did is, yeah, Walt walked out, but then he came up with uh, another plan. He came up with a plan uh, that there would be an area that would be restricted to adults uh, only. What what Walt uh, proposed, and remember, this is a five-story high building. He was going to build up on the upper story there'd be an observation floor so there'd be picture windows where you could look out at the arch you could look down you know uh into the riverfront square uh uh, theme park and there'd be a restaurant and there'd be a banquet space and there'd be a cocktail lounge and you could get beer and wine and, and and alcohol and you had to get your hands stamped if you wanted to go into the amusement area so they could control how much alcohol you were having, and you couldn't take alcohol into the park. And St. Louis and, and Bush, uh, you know, uh, uh, agreed with that. Okay, you know. Uh, that makes and, sense. And, and, and to build this whole thing was going to be uh, $40 million bucks, you know. And, wow. and uh, as I said, you know, th- this was just uh, amazing. There was going to be a, a Bayou boat ride. Uh, that would take guests through a Louisiana swamp and down a waterfall into that lower basement, you know, and you'd see uh, alligators and all that. You didn't see pirates uh, because there was another plan for a Jean Lafitte adventure ride where there would be pirates, but it would be done up uh, in tableaus like the original Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland was going to be. And then they combined the Mm -hmm. two of them together, uh, you know, uh, after the World's Fair. And remember, Walt is doing this as he's working on four pavilions for the 64-65 World's Fair. Mm. He's working on this St. Louis project. Uh, he had an idea for a haunted house. And you mm-hmm. would go, and there would be a stretching room that, again, would take guests to a lower floor. And there'd be a room of uh, illusions, you know, and, and the ghosts mm-hmm. would be themed to Missouri ghost tales. Oh, wow. and, and and there would be um, uh, a, a one of the restaurants, and this is incredible. When I saw this on the blueprints, 
one of the restaurants was there was an indoor lake and there was a full-size steamboat in the oh, lake cool. with the paddle wheel going and that was a restaurant and there'd be a live show on there oh. and um uh, the St. Louis section uh, would have that Circle Vision Theater, you know, that they had originally talked to Walt uh, uh, about. And there'd be a 15-minute film showing a trip down the Mississippi River. And Walt wanted it to end uh, with a trip, a helicopter trip, through the Gateway Arch. Oh, wow. And, and he was also thinking of another theater that would have a 200-degree screen and would have interactive uh, elements. And when I say interactive elements, I'm talking not only about lights, but about smells and, and, and things like this. And basically on stage uh, would be um, the, the history of, uh, uh, of Missouri. You know, uh, Mark Twain, uh, Lindbergh's flight, you know, the spirit of uh, St. Louis, uh, mm -hmm. uh, wow. th things like that. But these would be audio-animatronic figures, and they would be on revolving stages, very much like Country Bear Jamboree. You know, they have those small stages, yeah. and you mm -hmm. see the character in the scene, and then the curtain closes. Well, what happens when the curtain closes is, is that, you know, moves around 180 degrees, whatever, and, and then when the curtain opens, there's a, another character, or the character is costumed differently, or there's a different background, whatever. So, so you would have all of these great figures um, from uh, uh, Missouri uh, uh, history, you know, uh, Will Rogers, John Philip Sousa, Teddy Roosevelt, you know, local sports heroes, uh, uh, all of that, you know, and, and they'd be talking to you and telling you, you know, the, the history of uh, uh, Missouri. And um, uh, Walt wanted an opera house that had a, a live-action show inspired by... Are, are you guys getting excited about this? It's like, uh, I'm wondering, oh, well, my gosh, this would have been like so great. This. Why didn't this happen? This uh, awesome. An old opera house, well, I'm going to uh. tell you, and, and it's very, very simple why. Um, it, it's the reason why a lot of things never happen at Disney. So an old opera house that had a live-action show. See, now you guys are going to have to listen to the end of the podcast to find this out here. Uh, there was a live-action show based on the Golden Horseshoe Review at, at Disneyland because Walt wanted the French can-can dancers up there because he knew that that was a, a guest satisfier. Uh, there were going to be uh, at least two Fantasyland dark rides. They were planning on Peter Pan flight because that was the most popular at Disneyland. And either have uh, Snow White's Adventures or a new attraction they were working on uh, based on Pinocchio, which oh, later ended man. up at, at, at Walt Disney World. And, um, you know, uh, uh, they were even thinking of, after the fair, bringing down great moments with Mr. Lincoln, because the thing was already built. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. and so the cost would only be for transportation and installation. So, you know, you're saving uh, money on that. There was going to be a Lewis and Clark adventure ride. Oh man! That would take guests on a boat uh, through the dioramas and audio animatronic, audio animatronic figures, uh, you know, uh, on, 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 of their journey. And, and in fact, that was being designed by um, Mark Davis. And oh, Mark wow. Davis actually like the... took bits and pieces of that and adapted it to his Western River. Expedition for Big Thunder Mesa, oh, which was yeah. going to be at Walt Disney World, but that that came 
came from uh, came from uh, this, you know, and okay, but it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is great, and and again, yeah. Walt is sharing some of these, but he's saying, you know, it's all very fluid right now, you know, we're all in that sort of blue sky stage where we're just sharing, you know, information and and all of that and doing some uh, basic designs, but in order for Disney to commit. And Disney would be responsible for all of the costs related to what Walt referred to as the show. So that meant the design and building of the rides, the creating the films, the uh, attention to theming, the uh, the training of, uh, of the staff, things like that. He felt that St. Louis would provide the massive building, would uh, build parking garages, because, again, you need to have enclosed because of the weather, yeah. Uh, uh, some uh, traffic Im- improvement because again you're going to have a large stream of traffic, so you're going to need to, you know, mm-hmm. enlarge the roads, uh, 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 lights, you know, things like that, and also sell the land at a bargain price similar to what Walt was because we're talking 1963, 64 here. November 63 is when Walt flew over Orlando and said that's the place. They were already buying land in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And so people think, say, oh, well, he was going to do St. Louis, and then when that fell apart, he looked somewhere else and he found Florida. Walt was crazy enough that he thought he could build both of these at the same time. <laughs> right? So uh, it, he was getting a good deal on, on land in, 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 in Florida, you know, 180 bucks an acre, which was great price for, for swamp land. Yeah. As soon as mm-hmm. people found out that uh, uh, Disney was buying the land, it shot up to eighty thousand dollars an acre. And Oof. and in fact, uh, a, a year before um, Walt Disney World opened, there were acres of land that were selling for three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars an acre. So yeah, wow. so Walt knew, you know, you can't, you've got to be careful about this. Okay. Yeah. Now what St. Louis said was. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work on the streets, we'll build the parking garages, we'll build the shell, but we're not going to build the inside. You know, the inside is yours. And Walt said, no, you're going to have to build the infrastructure, you know, for the, for the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the water and, and, and the gas and the electricity and, and all of that, and you're going to have to put up the walls where we want walls so that basically we can come in and we fill up this uh, uh, interior, and St. Louis said, no, I think we're going to pass. And so in July 65, there was a joint announcement that basically said, you know, uh, when we announced this, we said we're working on this, but because of the size and scope of this project and, and the cost that's involved, you know, it may prove difficult, and uh, that's that's proven to be the case. So this is July 65. You know, the St. Louis project is officially announced as this is not going to happen. And then in November 65, that's when Walt announces we're building in Florida. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. 
And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.